Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's chapter of This is the Voice of the Prophet. This week's episode is entitled, Where Did You Learn That? A few weeks ago, I shared a message named WWJD as opposed to WDJD. That would be, what would Jesus do as opposed to what did Jesus do? The episode reminded us of a time when people wore the bracelets, t-shirts, and other paraphernalia as reminders to stop and think about the situations they were in and then ponder upon the thoughts of what would Jesus do in their situations. One of the things we need to understand about Jesus is that what he did was what he saw the Father do and as the Father taught him. John 8, 28 reads, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. One of my questions today is, who's teaching you? Where did you learn not only the things that you know now through education, but where did you learn to function in your God-ordained position? No, we're not talking about ordinations or ministries. 
We're talking about your God-ordained positions as parents, spouses, siblings, and even as sons and daughters. In Mark 7, 10 through 12, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees when he said, For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is carbon, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. I know someone who was actually living with their mother and wouldn't give her a dime in spite of her needs and even ignoring the fact that she was extremely ill, but instead steadily gave not only his tithe and an offering, but large offerings to his church and large monetary gifts to his pastors. That man had been taught in that church to always put the church, and of course that included the pastors, above everything and everyone, no matter what. Now, before everyone gets mad and say that their church comes first, let me say that the word says that there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. In this instance, it wasn't a matter of the man giving everything to the church. It was a matter of him ignoring and neglecting his responsibilities toward his mother. In actuality, the reason he gave to the church and pastors the way he did was because he believed the more he gave to them, the more he would get from God as though the blessings of God could be purchased. This was what he had been taught. And once again, the word of God was used to deceive the members into thinking that the way to receive their blessings was through giving everything to the church and the pastors. Let me say here and now that I don't give my tithe to the church. I give my tithe and offerings to God through the church. And there is a difference. Next question. Where did you learn to be a Christian? Who taught you your basic Christian doctrines and laid the foundations for your Christian beliefs? Those beliefs, as you know them today, are the rudiments of the Christian life you live on a daily basis. Remember, a building is only as strong and secure as its foundations. Not the roof over it, but its foundation. As a child, the way you saw your parents, teachers, and other adults around you live, especially those that you love and admired, strongly influences the man or woman that you are today. Again, I ask you to ask yourselves, who taught you how to be a good husband, a wife, mother, or father, employee or employer? My mother taught me how to cut seasoning, cook, clean, wash clothes, and many other things. She didn't teach me good study habits for school or how to handle money. And although we went to church every Sunday, I learned my Christian walk and values from someone entirely different. It wasn't the Catholic church, my grandmother who prayed the rosary continually, or even my pastors that I sat under in my early Christian life. But that part of my life, the Holy Ghost used my Bible college professor and mentor, Joan Miller, not only through what she said, but the life she lived before me and others 
according to the word of God. I developed character, honor, and integrity through the things she did, not to be seen by others, but because of who she was through her relationship with Christ. I learned to pray through hearing her pray, even when she didn't know I was listening. I saw her walk with the father as his bride, his friend, and his lover, which denoted an intimacy beyond anything I had ever witnessed. The Holy Ghost used her as ordained by God to teach me the things that I needed in order that I could not only learn how to be taught directly by the Father, but also that he could use me in turn to teach others how to learn from him for themselves. As we see the actions and hear so many of the comments of conservative Christians, I have to wonder if they've ever truly asked themselves the questions, where did you learn that? Unfortunately, many of them truly believe that what they've been taught, the actions that they're taking, the things they believe and the views they promote are the thoughts, actions, and views of God. The Crusaders of the Middle Ages, along with the Pope of that time and other Christians certainly thought that the destruction, pillaging, and the genocides they committed was according to the will of God. It's no less with radical Muslims today who turn to terrorism in order to retaliate against the wrongs they feel they've endured and at the same time attempt to force non-Muslim nations to believe as they do. These ultra-conservative Christians, right along with the radical Muslims, all believe that they're pleasing God in the actions and decisions that they're making. I wouldn't be surprised at all if 99.9% .9 of the people who were involved in the insurrection on the Capitol were Christians. The same with those who are white supremacists, racists, xenophobes, anti-Semitics, and bigoted. These are all also mostly Christians. This brings to the fact that what these people believe and promote are what they believe God is promoting them to believe. Why is that? At what time in their lives did they begin to accept the things that they now adhere to? Where did they learn that? It's because it's what they were taught in the churches from the pulpits and shared among the members of the congregation. Admittedly, some of them learned from home, but most of it has been promoted by churches from the pulpits. If you listen to something long enough, one of two things will occur. You will either walk away from it because you know it's wrong and don't believe it, or you will embrace it as truth because you do believe it. What you believe becomes a part of you or basically you become a part of it. What one believes is what they practice and literally live. As a young wife who was being abused, I decided to walk away from my first marriage because I knew that God wanted me alive and not dead. And secondly, I walked away because I didn't want my sons to grow up to be abusive husbands. I knew what they saw, they were learning, and what they learned, they would become. I knew it was my responsibility as a mother 
and a woman to not allow my sons to become men who would take for granted that abusing a woman was normal. My question today is, where did you learn how to be who you are today? Where did you learn that? Where do we learn the things we believe and live? Who taught us to be how and what we are? It's not just a matter of our cultures or family traditions, but it's a matter of character, morals, honor, and integrity. If I had to depend on the church I attended as a child, or even my parents to instill those things in me, those traits never would have been developed within my life. But through those that God placed in my life at the right time and through his Holy Spirit, who is my paraclete, those qualities were developed in me and became a part of who I am today. Of course, we all realize that there are things we seek education for, even up to parenting classes. The time came that society realized that being a parent doesn't just come naturally for everyone. For some, we might think it did, but for many, what we learned from our parents was not only what to do, but also what not to do. For some, that worked well, but for others, not so much. If one has an interest in mechanics, electronics, nursing, or whatever, then one can go to school, be taught, and become licensed or certified. They can continue in their education to receive more certifications or even doctorates, depending on the field that they might enter. But in order to become really good or even the best at what they do, they must continue to learn. The objective and purpose of attending Sunday school as well as Bible study is supposed to be with the intent to learn the things of God is to help us to grow into more intimate, loving relationships with him. The hope is that we would learn to love him more and more with our whole hearts and our whole souls in order to be more like him. We're supposed to live our lives according to his word and will. In order to be the husbands, wives, siblings, parents, or whatever, we must continue to learn. I'm already in my 70s, and I'm still learning how to be a good sister, a good mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and even a good neighbor. In order to grow in the Father, we must grow within ourselves and move beyond many of the erroneous teachings that we become so accustomed to and accepted as right. We must learn to move beyond racism, bias, bigotry, and prejudice against other races that has been taught across so many pulpits on Sunday mornings. None of these things are according to the word or will of God. Many can and will say that these things have never been taught in their church, but things are not only taught through words, but also through actions. I will also add that as the adage goes, if you see something and say nothing, then you're adding to and supporting what's being done. For the pastors and leaders that refuse to take a definite stand against racism in the church, they are actually a part of spreading it. As stated earlier, we learn from our parents and leaders, not just by what they say, 
but by what they do and the lives they lead before us. Unfortunately, many churches have their own agendas. And as I continually say, they have used the word of God to implement teachings that have nothing to do with what God has spoken. For some, it might even be said that their teachings are in direct opposition to the word of God. Yet they believe that what they do are the works of God. The problem with that line of thinking is that, in the words of A.W. Tozer, and I quote, no people has ever risen above its religion and no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. We move toward our mental image of God, end quote. Many years ago, my mentor and Bible college professor, who I mentioned earlier, asked our class one day, what was Jesus like? We all began to give what we thought were these great, wise, and impressive answers. Someone said that he was like air because he's everywhere, but can't be seen and that we can't live without him. Someone else said he was like an egg, three in one. After many wrong answers, she finally said, God is not like anything or anyone we know. Again, in the words of A.W. Tozer, it reads, and I quote, although we as humans tend to compare him to various things, it's only because we truly have no idea of what he looks like or truly who or what he is. That's because he's God, end quote. Therefore, when someone has the tendency or perhaps even the audacity to think that what we are doing or the things of God or things like God, especially when those things are in total opposition to his word and will, it brings about the realization that man truly has no idea of what God is truly like. Therefore, we need to continually remain in his presence to hear his voice so that we will not be led astray. We will not assume upon what we think he wants or likes or begin to walk in a way that he never intended. I don't have a very good sense of directions. I was invited to speak at a home meeting once which was very difficult for me to find. After many missed turns, I called the host and he talked me into the location of the meeting. When I was leaving, he asked, do you know the way home? Of course, I said yes. Pulled out of the driveway and turned right to begin my journey home. Within no time, I noticed the car behind me and I heard the horn blowing. I pulled over and the man said to me, you're going the wrong way. To me, it seemed the right way, but it wasn't. I never would have made it to my intended destination. I had to follow someone who knew the way until I got to a place where I could continue on my own. On another occasion, when I was still living in New Orleans, I had been out of town, returned on the Greyhound bus, and had to take a cab home from the bus station. I gave the driver the address and he proceeded to drive. Of course, being raised in the city, I knew the route he should have taken. However, he began to drive in a very roundabout way. As I noticed, not only the way we were going, but also the money on the meter that was constantly increasing, 
I asked him if he knew the way to the address I had given him. He said, certainly, I drive in this city and I know it very well. At that point, I told him that I was raised in that city and I knew it very well also. I also told him that I knew he was taking me in a roundabout way in order to run up his speed. He immediately took me to the address through the correct route. There comes a time that we must know when to follow as well as to know when those who we are following are leading us in the wrong way. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.